Hello and welcome to Indie Comic Ninja and my triumphant return to podcasting with an interview with my friend Anthony Harry, creator of December Rain and the soon-to-be-rebooted webcomic Brethren. I am so glad to be back from this brief three-year hiatus. I hope you had the chance to listen to my throwback episodes over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I hope you remember to resubscribe to the podcast in the podcast app of your choice. It's probably the one you're listening to right now if you're not listening in the browser like a weird maniac. Um, but other than that, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Indie Comic Ninja. Don't forget to follow and comment, retweet these uh, episode posts, help your friends find out because it's fun. Um, but just thanks for being here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview with Anthony. We talk a lot about the creative process uh, and his comics. Head over to his website, anthonyharry.com, that's H-A-R-Y, and uh, you, that's a place where you can find links to all of his creative endeavors, his social media accounts, his Patreon, which is where Brethren will be posted once that's a webcomic. Uh, and yeah, with that, take it away, music. <laughs> So I, at the level that I'm at, um, I still have a day job, which is necessary in order to keep a roof over my head, pay the bills, you know, feed the family, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then you, and I'm working, say, at least 50 hours or more a week go into my day job. And you still got to find a way to uh, push yourself in the right headspace to get work done after, you know, I, I drive an hour to work and then an hour back home. And then I'm at work for from five until one thirty in the morning, or five in the morning until one thirty in the afternoon. Excuse me. And then you get home and and it's and I'm tired. You know, yeah. you know to be honest, you know it's like I woke up at three thirty, get out of the house by four, be to work by five, work till one thirty, then get home sometime around three, depending on traffic and whether or not I have to you know like run errands on the way home. Mm-hmm. And and I catch myself just falling asleep. Like it's mm-hmm. not, yeah. it's not, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to take a nap. Um, but there's, uh, and then there's also the balance too of, you know, trying to make sure that I'm accountable towards what my wife needs and mm-hmm. household responsibilities and things like that. And it's, uh, it can be easy to get comfortable on that couch. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, and so I've had some very real conversations with her about, you know, I do want to spend time with you. I do want to, you know, I, I don't want to have this separation of like, it's my life and then, and then there's the life we have together. I don't want to do that. Um, admittedly, I, in my pursuit of, uh, creative success, I've done that to relationships in the past. I've, I've, uh, made it so that my my creative efforts had their own priority and their own, it's all like I had my own little life I was living. And then, and then every so often I happened to be in a relationship with somebody else and they, uh, Mm -hmm. and, and that wasn't fair to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to do that with Tracy. And so, uh, you know, we've been having a lot of conversations. That's also part of why, um, I'm approaching things the way that I am right now. I, I kicking out December rain gave me a whole lot of, satisfaction to mm-hmm. be honest it was really great to just write a story and not have to worry about having to draw it right just yeah. 
just to write it and dig into the story and um and the success of uh like i haven't i haven't sold a lot of books you know mm -hmm. just in the grand scheme of things i'm not a bestseller but i've sold copies of december rain every month since it came out oh very nice i get a, i get like a report from the from the um publisher or the mm -hmm. printer and uh and i got no complaints right mm -hmm. Right now, that's that's the best that I'm aiming for. But yeah, I'm working on the second one, and I'm bringing uh, bringing uh, brethren back because I was like, okay, well, what am I, I? I wanted to do something that would allow me to have a little more fun without having to have a um, you know wait till I had enough to print a book. I wanted something that would allow me a more a little more real time. And I started off doing web comics, mm -hmm. and um, and Brethren technically started as a webcomic like 20 years ago. And, oh, wow. and I put it to the, I put it to the side because I, I realized I was a crap writer and, uh, <laughs> I, I knew the story deserved better than, uh, than what I could offer it mm -hmm. in my early twenties. So I, I just put it away and, um, I recently rewrote out, I actually have it right here, this on a, on a nice white pad of paper. <laughs> I sat down. I took myself out to dinner. Oh, nice! And I literally sat there and ate a big pan of lasagna at this Italian place <laughs> because I love myself. And uh, and I wrote out the uh, you know, the full outline for book one. Uh, Brethren is supposed to be three large graphic novels by the time it's all done. But so I wrote out the the outline for for the first one. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, why don't why don't I just release it, you know, a couple pages here and there, just put them out on, on my Patreon and, mm -hmm. you know, see, see how it goes. Just make that an extra thing while I'm chipping away at these books that are going to have months and months of time in between of when they're released. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's interesting. That was my um, mentality with the story that I was writing years ago, probably, man, probably 10 years ago now. Uh, where like I was, uh, I was trying to write a novel in the same fashion, where I was just putting out three pages at a time, weekly, bi-weekly, or whatever, and it worked for quite a yeah. while. And then I just lost. I I, uh, I had a house fire and just stopped. Oh, <laughs> just never yeah. picked it back up. And it's one that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, and then I know, and then with you, like we've we've talked about a, a story, writing a story at one that was years ago. Now it seems like, and something we we need to do. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. But I think it got like that story. I realized similar thing. Like, hey, let's shelve this, learn how to write because it it means a lot to me, kind of thing. So that's it's cool that you, it's it's nice to see somebody else, I guess, in a similar position being able to go back to, to a story like that. Um, and just the fact that you've been keeping at it and, and you're able to do that. Um, so I guess then talking about brethren, it's, it's a web comic, uh, yeah. and you're going to be hosting it on your Patreon. That's my plan. Yeah. My, my strategic plan for being able to have some sort of business, um, benefit out of it, basically, to have an opportunity to try and monetize it on some level because mm -hmm. I want to make it available to patrons first. So if people are subscribers on Patreon, mm -hmm. I believe that it's, uh, I have three tiers on there. So it's like, if you subscribe for a dollar, then, then you just, you see whatever you see, which is a whole <laughs> lot of stuff because most stuff yeah. is at the, is for all patrons, but then, um, digital content available for download stuff like the brethren comic will be people, 
Um, actually, Brethren is going to be available to people who just subscribe for a dollar. But then there's other stuff like if when Brethren is available as like a digital comic, anyone who's subscribed at the five dollar mark will just get a free digital copy of the book compiled nice. as a book. Mm -hmm. And then there's a ten dollar tier where sketches for people. If they're a ten dollar subscriber, I just I'll send them a send them a sketch just as mm -hmm. a thank you. For, and then they get everything else, obviously, from the other things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I've had mod I've had moderate success with Patreon. I really mm -hmm. like their setup. I think there's probably you know now with all the different options that are out there that I keep hearing about, there might be a better platform to put it out on. And maybe I'll put it out on more than one. Yeah. I, I haven't made that level of a decision yet. Mm -hmm. um, at one point with Patreon, I I was making around two hundred dollars a month. Oh, nice. Which was an which was a nice little which is nothing compared to what some people make. Yeah. But it's also was a really nice little bonus just to support um, my craft. For and, sure. But I've always had it set up where I just wanted it to, just wanted people to be able to subscribe for a dollar a month. Mm -hmm. And if they like my work and they like me and they just, they want to see things that other people are never going to be able to see, then they just subscribe for a dollar and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be a rich man and that's okay. I just want to be, I just want to uh, have a good life, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I know uh, I've I subscribe to another person who has a web comic, uh, and it's for free on his website. But on his Patreon, you get like more insider looks at his comic, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So he releases the 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 finished page, the inks, and the pencils, and then just any notes about the page. Um, That's cool. And you only get that in the Patreon and. Uh, the thing though that I really like about Patreon is that I get an email uh, whenever he puts out a page or a post. Yes. And so I just get it in my inbox. I read it in my email when I get up in the morning. Uh, and it's, it's not a hassle to me to then read his webcomic because that's my biggest gripe with webcomics is it's just like I, I always forget because like – you know, you yeah. go on Facebook and everything's on Facebook or Twitter. I'm, I guess I'm more of a Twitter guy, but like I, I can remember to go to Twitter because there's so much on there that I consume, I guess. But like I forget to go to Patreon, even though I don't know, I'm supporting like five people on there. But yeah, they they all post so infrequently that it's not like a daily or weekly or even monthly thing that I think about. Right. So it's nice to have those emails and it's, and so then for then the creator, it's nice because it's um, just, I assume it's automatic. Like you make a post and it just sends out the email. So, mm -hmm. so that's a nice, nice thing for, for Patre Patreon, I suppose. And, and why I like yeah. it as a consumer, I suppose. They've um, made it, they've made, I joined Patreon right when it started mm -hmm. and uh, they've, uh, made a lot of advancements to make it very user friendly for the creators to be able to get yep. their work out in front of people. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I'll, I put a lot of stuff on there that's just free for anybody to look at. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a great feature now where, so let's say when, when brethren starts rolling out, which um, is soon here, cause it's going to start technically before the end of the month. The uh, <laughs> it's uh when I post something, it'll go to Patreons first mm -hmm. or patrons first. And then at a certain time, it'll automatically become public for everyone to see. Mm, nice. So if a person wants to read it, 
then don't even worry about it. Like it'll eventually be available. And then that's the part that has the largest appeal to me. Mm-hmm. But if people want to see it before other people, or like you said, if they want to see things that those posts that are not like the work in progress posts, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, other people are not going to have access to unless they're a subscriber, then, you know, if it's worth a dollar or a quarter a week, then you know, <laughs> that's my logic. I don't know. I, yeah. I scribe to a bunch of people, um, for different reasons. Yeah. And I just, at the, at the end of the day, my logic is there's nothing better as a creator than knowing that the per- person at your work actually wants to look at it. Yeah. Like they want to see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's a huge compliment. So, uh, I figure it's worth a dollar to, to say, I want to see what you're doing. And cause I do that for creators that I like. So I, I know I'm using that and We'll see. It's only going to post in black and white. And mm. then my my whole structure plan is I'm going to release pages as they're done, just mm-hmm. uh, with the goal of doing one or two a week and um, and then get them out there. And then they're just going to be black and white. And I'm going to be doing all of it myself because uh, it's sort of my, my, my opus, my little baby project. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then once I have enough for uh, a book, then I plan on doing the uh the kickstarter route because mm-hmm. i think kickstarter is an amazing platform that continues to prove valuable for people at all levels of the creative market and mm-hmm. uh and that will allow me to then to either produce it in black and white or in color we'll see but initially online it's just going to be black and white mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very cool um so then i guess at this point do you want to talk about the story at all or Oh sure. I suppose <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> so I know it's the, uh, uh it's Brethren the so- uh, I helped you with the, the logo, Sojourn of Tax and Lotus. Yeah. Yeah. So Brethren is the main title. The first graphic novel is called The Sojourn of Tax and Lotus, and Tax and Lotus are the two main characters. Uh the story is, is takes place in a post apocalyptic setting. Uh the the world has, and you learn this in the some of the opening pages that you'll read in the webcomic, so I'm not giving too much away, but um, the world tried to be better, and we tried to move away from things like nuclear bombs and stuff like that, but what they, what they did is uh, they created something else, and then that led to a misunderstanding, as it would, between world powers, and there was a use of the military force that was left and it actually caused uh, catastrophic damage to the earth itself not only just killing people but uh, within the context of the story there was fault lines that were activated uh, volcanoes went off there's a little bit of climate change happened and so the world that tax and lotus live in is a world where uh, in the united states they actually started in uh, minnesota in the story, because I figured, why not? I'm in Minnesota, <laughs> so I'll just start here. Yeah. Um, but they, Minnesota itself has, there's a lot of regression. There's, we're, Minnesota in the story is now a very rural, uh, small towns, like Old West style environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, they, in their travels, they, they'll meet uh, a very militant environment where, like, the whole town is just a giant military base. Mm-hmm. They also meet some very tribalistic people in their travels. 
And the reason that they have to travel is twofold. One, um, Lotus gets them into trouble and they're ran out of town and that's no fun. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, and they're also asked by an old man named Sal, um, who's like the narrator of the story. He asked them to deliver a package to his daughter in Boston. And so they have to travel from Minnesota to Boston. But in order to get there, uh, they have to take a new route because a lot of the bridges across the Mississippi are just gone. Hmm. And mm-hmm. there's, uh, and there's, and the West Coast is known to be decimated. Basically, it's an uninhabitable region. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's nobody in that direction. So they have to travel south and then across uh, one of the few open bridges that are there, go up through like the, I think it's the Appalachian Mountains they go through and they eventually find themselves in Boston. And mm-hmm. all the stuff that happens along the way is the story. It's okay. the, it's their sojourn from where they are to where they need to be. And then uh, that sets up part two and part three and which is you know pretty fun so there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of Mm sci-fi a little bit of fantasy uh obviously you got the post-apocalyptic was it dysotopian sort of environment so you get to play with a lot of emotional extremes because uh not everything was impacted the same it was you know it was almost like world war three happened with leftover leftover bombs and other Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. you know so it's a it's fun, and at the core of it, it's the the story is about these two very very different men, and how they um, how they become brethren. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know if you made it public. I know you showed me a picture of them. I'm trying to see if you did make it public. Uh, but like there's a, a drawing of the two of them, and I found that I found it very interesting because uh, I I'm assuming Lotus is dressed all in black. Yeah, Lotus. Lotus, when he was uh, still in in his mother's womb, she was exposed to radiation. Okay. And actually, and actually, he was born prematurely, and she died from radiation poisoning. And but it had an effect on him. He has an extreme sensitivity to UV light. Okay. So he wears full body covering mm-hmm. pretty much all the time. Okay. So. Yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting, and it, it gave me a very, I guess, ninja vibe. Uh, and you said that was Lotus. Yep, that's okay. Lotus, and he 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 does have a, he's a thief. Okay, like so he Lotus was, I don't mind sharing this because I mean, it doesn't really take anything from the story. But Lotus okay. was raised by uh, his grandmother. Mm-hmm. His grandmother was a pretty well-off lady, so as everything hit the fan. She was living in her big house, had, you know, pretty much had everything they needed. He, mm-hmm. And he was just kept in the house. So he learned almost everything he knows from the library of books that his grandma owned. Okay. Um, but he's he's proficient in things like gymnastics and mischief. And so he started stealing things just for fun because mm-hmm. he wanted entertainment. Yeah. Okay. And and so he is at his at his core. Uh, when we initially, when he was initially created way back when the webcomic first started, um, one of the first sequences that actually isn't going to be in the reboot. So I don't, I'll just share it with you. Um, he first meets, uh, tax after he, he breaks into a brothel and steals uh, a rather large gem mm-hmm. and then has to jump out of a window, roll down, a uh, roll down the, the roof and then run away, and then he comes face-to-face with Tax, 
And at the time, it was a little more exaggerated. He was a little smaller. Tax was mm -hmm. a, a fair bit bigger than how they're designed now. And we actually had Lotus um, hide by hanging on to Tax's back. <laughs> and then when these guys came around the corner to try and find Lotus, they were like, where did he go? And, and Tax just looked at him like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they're like, the little guy with the mask. And, and Tax is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Leave. Right. And nobody messed with Tax because... He's the biggest man anybody's ever seen. Mm -hmm. He's the bare knuckle boxing champion of the town. That's how he makes his. That's how he feeds himself. Okay. And uh, and then tax, uh, you know, the guys go away, and tax tells Lotus, "All right, you know, take off," and goes about his business. But Lotus becomes fascinated because no one's ever done anything for Lotus before, mm -hmm. right? Other than his grandma, nobody's. You know, I mean, it's kind of a creepy thing to be around a guy who can't go out in the sunlight. Like, yeah, he unsettles people mm -hmm. and he's socially awkward, little mischief maker. And mm -hmm. so he becomes he actually stalks uh, tax and um, realizes, hey, I, this guy's a cool cat. And he and he <laughs> sees tax uh, tax tries to get away from beating up people because at his core uh, taxes and you do see this in the reboot. um Tax is a softy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to hurt people. Mm. But, you know, his parents got killed. And so he he couldn't run the farm by himself. So he had to figure out a different way to make ends meet. And so he, shortly after he and Lotus meet, he goes and tells uh, the promoter, he says, I'm not going to fight for you anymore. Mm. And, and the promoter follows him out to the farm and, uh, and tries to kill him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Lotus comes in and helps uh, helps Tax get out of that mess, and that's how their relationship started originally. And a lot of that stuff will be touched on at some point mm -hmm. in the uh, I guess the first uh, chapter of the of the uh, web comic. But mm -hmm. some of it it's different. the things that are the same though is Tax is a big softy who happens to be abnormally large, yeah, and and just a beast of a man, and. Uh, and but and Lotus is uh, looks looks dangerous, but he's really just a mischievous child who doesn't who hasn't really had a lot of opportunity to to be a man. So very cool. Um, can you? I, I find the names, I guess, very interesting because you have uh, Tax and Lotus, both names that aren't common, I guess. Um, yeah. and so was there a reason behind those names or are they just kind of like, it's the future and people just kind of pick different names then? <laughs> uh, I, so I named originally the story was developed with uh, a really good old friend of mine, uh, named Robert Muller and we were roommates at the time and, um, he, uh, he and I were sitting around, we're like, what do we want to name these guys? And I think you know, he picked Lotus's name, and I thought that was just brilliant. I, I thought that the juxtaposition of the the way he looks and the way he acts, and then but giving him such a beautiful name. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, a Lotus is a pretty delicate flower, mm -hmm. uh, and and maybe that's what his grandma, you know, viewed him as because mom died. Mm -hmm. There's no dad in the picture, so. She, you know, she would have effectively seen him as her delicate flower, and uh, I just thought that that name was awesome, so we went with it. And I, and I wanted Tax to have something that was more blunt. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to have a name that was, you know, I, I don't know if it's short for anything. I never determined anything. It could easily be 
um, short for another name, but, um, but I just, I, I, we're trying to figure out what to name the characters. And I was like, well, for him, I just, I want him to have a, a again, an uncommon name. Cause in the world of intellectual properties, it gets difficult to name characters at a certain point. That's fair. And I was, I was like, I just want to give him a name that, uh, that is, uh, going to be easy for people to remember. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you see a guy that big with his, disposition and the facial hair and the whole thing and then you you realize that uh his name is tax and it made me made me chuckle because i thought of the the old saying like the two things in life that are unavoidable are death and taxes mm-hmm. <laughs> and so and uh, i thought that that was good because he in the story he's the character of destiny mm-hmm. right like you have the old hero's journey or the the different story archetypes that we like to follow in, in Western culture, where there's usually a character that has some sort of, um, within the context of the story, he has a destination he is absolutely heading for. Mm-hmm. Tax is that character. Lotus isn't. Lotus is there for the whole thing, mm-hmm. but his his path is much more chaotic than Tax Tax's path is. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool. I'm very excited yeah. about that. I I mean knowing very like nothing about it up until now i guess uh other than just dystopian future and seeing one image uh i i I was excited i mean just knowing that you were writing it as well was helpful um thanks but yeah i'm looking forward to it i'm glad it's this month i hope it i hope uh your timeline pans out for you uh but it's just a that's a big thing like when we depending on when people hear this um this conversation they mm-hmm. might be we might be at a very different point but right now you know being in the middle of pandemic and dealing with a lot of stay-at-home stuff and mm-hmm. um it's uh i find myself very focused on the idea that um things like discipline and focus and and how we apply ourselves has never been more important mm-hmm. and um i've never had that grand of a social life as it is, I think you know that since we know each other as well as we do, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't go out much. Like I, it's not that I don't like to, I, I think, I think I, I really, really like being social. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I find more lasting joy in doing my work than, than anything else. And so mm-hmm. I just want to, I want to produce, you know, yeah. I want like, you know, I want to, I agree with you. Our book needs to happen. <laughs> um, the second the second volume of, uh, or book two of the Lord of man is going to be exciting to finish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, with brethren, it's just, you know, we, we, the market, the market is interesting because as a creator, you can go out and you can, you can really put yourself out there. And, and sometimes you can create a great opportunity for yourself to do work for companies and other people. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of value in that because you can get paid pretty well. You can you you know pay your mortgage and do all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And now I'd love to work for a publisher. I, there's a there's a few uh, properties I I would just love to work on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the, the thing I absolutely do not want to to go to my uh, go to my grave knowing that I I squandered was the opportunity to to tell the stories that, that I have. Yeah. For sure. And that doesn't mean they're, you know, not trying to act like they're great, but they are the ones that I, that it means something to me. So I just figured, um, um, I need to stop, need to get better about not making excuses and, 
uh, getting the work done. Yeah, no, it's that's why the web comic is good because then I can put it out regularly, get feedback regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm that helps me is having that interaction. Yeah, and yeah, it's always nice to get that I guess immediate uh, response to something because then you know people are enjoying it, um, and uh, and that I guess leads into. Uh, I, I just listened to your podcast before this and uh, you were talking at one point, uh, was this, it was your last uh, like car ride talk, uh, I believe. And you're, you were talking about kind of like screaming, feeling like you were screaming into the void. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I get that too. I, I've had that feeling both with this podcast. Uh, like when it first starts, you just kind of like, don't know who's downloading it the numbers are lower than you'd like maybe uh, and you're just getting no feedback sort of thing. Um, but to me, like it's fun to talk to people. And so that's why I want to mm-hmm. do interviews. Um, but I guess at those times, yeah, it comes down to just kind of the slog of getting it done because you want to get it done. Uh, but that's not to say that, you know, getting comments, having a Patreon doesn't help knowing that people are paying money or at least vocally enjoying something that you're making is always nice. Yeah. Um, I reached an interesting level in my uh, growth as a creator where I, I've now had trolls uh, and I, you know, you hear about them and you see other, you see other truly successful people experience like on Twitter, you know, Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll post something and, and some jerk that doesn't know them and they, you know, whatever they pipe in and they make some crude, rude comment or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I've had a couple now where huh. it's I don't know them. I don't have any problem with them. I I got nothing. Huh. Except for they they really wanted to insult me or attack what I was posting or mm-hmm. uh whatever, just very very negative. And um and admittedly it was discouraging. Yeah. Because I think I think it's fair to say without being too arrogant that for the most part the kind of content that I put out on social media, whether it's art or posts or write-ups or anything, mm-hmm. is skewed towards growth and positivity. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's my deal. Is as I want to see people accomplish what they're going to accomplish, do it successfully, and and be happy, mm-hmm. you know, and really be satisfied with their work. And and uh, that had an impact on you know how I was feeling and my my productivity level you know and then combined with the fact that you know quite honestly we've had a lot we've had a lot going on in uh, the personal life mm-hmm. uh over the last 12 months had a huge impact on uh, my ability to sit down and focus on on mm-hmm. the work mm-hmm. and it's uh you got it's one thing when someone buys a commission and you're or you know they're paying you to do it yeah. there's a different level of obligation that you feel because it's your job yeah, yeah. You know, and when you're sitting down to do the work and and there's there's the only real motive motivator. Like this this what I'm getting back to the whole screaming into the void. You know, you're sitting down and it's like, okay, well, who am I doing this for? Mm-hmm. Am I doing this because I want that troll to be able to say something else to me and and just ruin my whole day because I'm not going to respond in kind. I'm not going to pick a fight or perpetuate that type of behavior because I don't support it. Mm-hmm. Um but at this, and you know that there's the possibility because the people who behave that way, that's that's what they get off on. So he, 
this in most recent individual is very bothersome because uh, we have mutual acquaintances. Mm. So like he's in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, he's an aspiring creator. Mm. And I hope he has all, you know, I hope he has all the success that he can have, For truthfully. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was difficult not to respond, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, dude, I, I could probably find out where you are, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and, but that's, what's that going to do for anybody? Yeah. That's not going to, that's not going to do any value or anything. So, um, but anyways, and, and that's what it came down and value is huge. Like I think over the last two years, mm-hmm. um, so what, yeah, we're in 2020. So definitely from in 2017, 2018, I was living in a one bedroom apartment. Um, I had, you know, not. I'm just going to give a little backstory. Maybe this will give some people some context. But in uh, 2017, I had finalized my divorce, right? So Mm -hmm. I was – then I spent some time just kind of um, couch surfing, you could say. Mm -hmm. And then I got my finances a little better uh, managed. So I got an apartment and was in that apartment for two years. And uh, and then I got really, really focused on getting stuff done Mm -hmm. and – I got, um, I had some of the most productive timeframes artistically and creatively, you know, writing the novel, doing work for the newspaper, uh, publishing other, other things and just was really, really on a good streak. And at the same time was, had my budget under control, had, you know, got myself in the position to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and man, life was good, you know, and things were going good. And then, uh, and I was doing my podcast, mm-hmm. uh, my, you know, doing that at least once a week and having a good old time. And, um, then we moved and, and then some things just got crazy, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, well, before we moved, I had the privilege of getting remarried. So now I'm, I'm married to Tracy and mm-hmm. she's beautiful. And, uh, when, uh, when we moved, we had some family that needed help and we had, um, we had some financial things that came up and just things that you don't, you don't get to prepare for. No one says, Hey, by the way, six months from now, it's going to suck. And, uh, and you can lose that focus. And then, Mm -hmm. um, I fell off of doing my podcast. I just, I had too much other stuff that I was, you know, that I was working on doing. And so when I, in that most recent one, when I was driving home and I talked about, you know, sometimes you wonder if you're just yelling into the void, it's, um, it really can feel that way. And I needed to reestablish where my value was. I needed mm-hmm. to reestablish where, what it meant for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's just assume no one ever pays me a paycheck to do what I do. That's mm-hmm. fine. Like mm-hmm. I'm still going to do it, but why am I going to do it? Yeah. Right. Where I'm going to, you know, I, I still make money at what I do, even though no one pays me for it. Cause I, I have the good fortune of being able to put out stuff that people want to take a chance on or, or they've established that they like my work and so they support it. Mm-hmm. But the, um, you know, that's never, I'm not motivated by money the way some people are. Mm-hmm. I, I want to connect with people. I want to tell good stories. I want to, I want to add value. And so, um, even having the opportunity to sit and talk with you today, aside from the fact that I miss you and I, I enjoy talking to you. I uh, I like the I like that there's the uh, there's value in it, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe someone will, you know, someone will listen to this or or check out something that you and I are working on, and 
and be like, you know what? I could do that too. And it's yeah. like, yeah, man, you do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll see. Yeah. Well, and in all honesty, that's the whole purpose of this podcast. I, I started it because I wanted to write comics myself. I just didn't know where to start. Uh, and so uh, it's just, it's fun for me to talk to creators uh, and see, uh, just talk to them about what, what you're making and, and your process, I guess. And so it's interesting with Brethren to hear that, like, yeah, you started it, what, 20 years ago, you said. Uh, and it was a web comic and you sat on it for some time for different reasons, I guess. Uh, and then you're bringing, you're able to, at this point in your life, bring it back. And so I know for me, I, I've had stories that are old and in my head, uh, and I, I'm not giving up on them. And it's nice to hear, like, I, I guess I already said this in this conversation, but it's just, it's nice to hear that other people have gone through that same, um, storytelling process of, and it's inspiring to me and it makes me want to get that story out and to hustle yeah. a little bit more and, and listen. And especially just scheduling this conversation, we've had a couple of, of issues, uh, having to reschedule oh, but yeah. just, and just hearing, I guess, how you are hustling and finding out, you know, that you get to work at five in the morning. It's, uh, it, it's inspiring, I guess, just to hear you, how you work. And it's just like, you know, I wake up at, I wake up at what, is, what? I usually wake up at seven thirty, no six thirty, because that's when my son's. He has a, a special uh, alarm clock that turns green. It like lights up, and he knows that when that when that turns green, he can leave his room in the morning. That's awesome. And he immediately comes running into our room, and the, so I have to get up. I go downstairs and I get my yeah. cup of coffee, uh, get his milk, and we go upstairs and get ready for the day. <laughs> but I only do that. I, I don't, I don't know. I probably wouldn't wake up until two minutes before work now, especially since I just stumble downstairs into my office and I get to work from home for now, I guess. Right. But yeah. um, I'm, I'm honestly, I can't wait to get, go back to the office and just be around people. It's I'm having cabin fever, which is another reason for this interview. <laughs> yeah. But it's inspiring to hear you like an hour commute is insane to me. Um, Especially with just how much you're still getting done. Uh, I just, just so you know, that's inspiring. Thanks. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. And I do it on minimal coffee for what it's worth. <laughs> I know a lot of people in, in, that do what we do. Yeah. Man, co- they love coffee. My wife yeah. loves coffee. I think we have, I think we have more than enough paraphernalia in our house that, that screams <laughs> the fact that she loves and lives off of coffee. I like that you call and it I, uh <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I, it's coffee for me is a tool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you see me drinking coffee, then you know, you know that I really need to get something done. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't drink coffee out of enjoyment. I don't like coffee. Um, I don't care if other people think that that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, of, one of my favorite people in the whole world, uh, it loves coffee. Dude mm-hmm. lives off of coffee. And, and he's uh, and I admire him so much. I mean, he you know he's a he's a person who has he helped me get in shape. He helped me uh, improve as an artist. He's mm-hmm. a professional in the industry. I'm not going to name drop because that part doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, dude, dude loves coffee <laughs> and tells me all the time that that like you just drink some coffee, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, in fact, I dr- I even got into drinking coffee because he was trying to help me lose weight and. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee is a dietary suppressant, yep, you know, yep. it helps with that, whatever. And so mm-hmm. I, I was drinking coffee because I told him I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, man, I just, I have this big, I, people listening can't see it, but this huge, 
water thing here. It's um like 84 ounces of water. Mm. I go through a couple of these a day. Nice. Um, I just I drink water almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Every so often I, you know, I I like to you know if you have having an adult beverage maybe I'll do that. But I never get drunk because that's not my game. I don't yeah. like being intoxicated. Uh, and I don't um I don't drink a lot of soda. But some sometimes I like a soda. Like if I'm having. Mm-hmm. I like I like having Mountain Dew with pizza. It's a it's like ever since I was a kid, it's just that. a delicious yeah. thing. Uh-huh. It's so funny it's little, funny the foods that inspire certain drinks yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. But I just yeah, I do so I do all that and you know, my wife looks at me and she's like, How are you <laughs> how are you not tired? And we've realized um as long as I keep going, yeah, I I don't slow down. Mm-hmm. But then I do sit down and allow myself to get comfortable, I'll just, I'll pass out. I'll just, I'll yep. be like, I'm done for the, yep, yep. for the day. So, and I usually work off of six hours of sleep for any, you know, if you oh, really man. want the full scope. So, and that's, and that's not even on purpose. <laughs> Literally my body automatically wakes up at the six hour mark. Oh, and I have the choice at that point to get up and keep going yeah. and just get on with my day or go back to bed and wake up groggy, yeah, which yeah. I, I hate that feeling. So I usually just get up and go. Yeah. That's, that's good to know your body like that. Uh, I, I feel like I'm still learning how to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, I, kids will do that to you. Well, yeah, kids exacerbated the problem, and I actually I went to the doctor last year. It turns out I have uh, sleep apnea, so oh. dealing with that then too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I, I I can sleep for days. I feel like that's my problem, but and that's why I, I yeah I feel like I need coffee, but. Uh, I could drink coffee all day sort of thing. It's, I used yeah. to, I used to roast it. So I, I would just sit there and eat it raw. Well, not raw, yeah. but fresh, freshly roasted. Sure. <laughs> I like munching on uh coffee beans. Yeah. I think those are delicious. Oh man. That gets, that's so much caffeine. <laughs> I just, I get it every, I used to work, uh, not now we're getting on. One of my uh, first jobs was a produce at a grocery store uh-huh. and, uh, and then I realized that you could go through the bulk section mm-hmm. and, and they just had coffee beans there. So I just grab a handful <laughs> when I, whenever I was working and it just, and it, you know, I just, I like the crunch and mm-hmm. it was just a light, you know, and then, yeah, somebody told me, they're like, do you realize how much caffeine you're consuming so, when you, I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not. Cause you know. you're getting a hundred percent of the caffeine. And when it's, cause when you brew it, you're not getting all of it. Uh, but when right. you're eating it, you are. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, so I dig it. I yeah. even like chocolate covered coffee beans. Oh, so I think good. those are delicious. Mm-hmm. So um, to go back to what you were saying, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, so I I I go, I get up, I go, I do my day job, I come home, I try to work, mm-hmm. I uh, and then I usually average around six hours of sleep a night. And this goes back to why Brethren is a webcomic. I learn if you want to be productive. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out what motivates you, mm-hmm. right? You have to figure out what one motivation comes through momentum mm-hmm. first and foremost. We will not have lasting motivation unless we're moving in the direction we want to go in, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. if we're moving in that direction, we have to have some way to, to recognize that we are moving, right? Yeah. So you have to set up goals, set up rewards, different things so that we are able to track without any external, you know, we could be the only person breathing and we'll be able to know what we're doing because we've set up the the path to be able to 
uh, acknowledge our own success. So mm-hmm. that's also part of why this is a webcomic. Like I'm going to, no one's going to have to tell me, oh, hey, you didn't get a page up last week. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I don't need that. But it, but also no one's going to have to tell me, hey, dude, you just put up your second page this week and then people are going to see it. And then that momentum you got page after page, week mm-hmm. after week. Next thing you know, you know, three months have gone by and I have, you know, 50 some pages done, some mm-hmm. crazy thing like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, well, I could publish a book now. Yeah. And you know, or something. And, and it's, it's building in the reward system for yourself. And if it happens to come along with other, uh, forms of compensation and incentive, then that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I just, I know, you know, I have the outline written. I know exactly the story that I'm setting out to tell with uh, book one. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest with you, my other motivation is I know what happens in book three. And I really want to get to book three yeah. because book one is fun, right? It's this nice journey across North America for, for the most part. Um, Mm -hmm. but book two involves pirates. That's going to be stinking fun. Mm -hmm. And then, and then book three is, has way more fantasy elements to it because it, you know, as with any good story, it just gets, grows, you're bigger and bigger. The more you get into the onion, Mm -hmm. the stronger it becomes. So, um, like I want to get to book three for myself because yeah. there's just sequences in book three that I can't wait to draw and, and, mm. and story elements that I I'm excited to share with people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fun. So yeah, that's we'll exciting. That's exciting to hear, I guess how excited you are about even the end. Um, and yeah. So, I mean, the anticipation is growing. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you ever um, watch the youtube video um finish not perfect sounds familiar yeah so it's super easy to find you just go to youtube you type in finish not perfect and you'll find it and i watch it no joke i watch it probably every 30 to 60 days mm-hmm. um just because it's a good i think creative self-check mm-hmm. and the, the whole point of it is uh it doesn't matter how good it is if you didn't finish it. Right. So the emphasis when we do our work needs to be like, let's take a, let's transition out of brethren for a moment and yep. take December, December rain. Great. I was going to move uh, that way anyway. <laughs> all right. December rain will go down in history as the worst book I've ever written. It's still good. Right. <laughs> yeah. But did you read it? Well, not all of it. Uh, I'm okay. a horrible reader, but uh, I, I was okay. one of your beta readers at least. And I, I read, that's I, right. I zoomed through that because it was so good, and that was the beta. So, <laughs> yeah, the um, thank you for that. I am I I'm I've lost track of the people I know who have had exposure to the book. I'm mm-hmm. just like, hey, cool. If you read it, <laughs> I believe you. Like I just you know, whatever. But, <laughs> but it um, just by default, it'll go down in history as the worst book I've ever written because yeah. it's my first book, uh-huh. right? And I know. Uh, I know not just because of feedback that I've gotten, but also because it was invariably going to be this way. There's, there's errors in the book, right? There's, Mm -hmm. there's a couple, uh, like one that I'm personally embarrassed about. I'll give you an exclusive is there's a, there's a word in there, the word counselor. And at the end of the book, I use the wrong form of counselor. Oh no. Right. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you can have a, 
so anyways it's yeah. it's uh that was a slip up on my part and it was like it you know you don't see it because i spelled the word correctly yeah but it was the wrong council so whatever people are going to read it they might catch it they might not yeah and and i just tell people look if you enjoy the story that is that is really the only thing i'm worried about because there's more coming mm-hmm. and and it's totally an example of finish not perfect like right. you have the book there you you know it's that feels amazing yeah to hold that book and um it's got a nice velvety yeah, cover so, yeah i really like how that printed <laughs> but yeah no that's really cool so um, that's, that's good stuff man is there anything about the story that you'd like to talk about i mean it's it's a nice fantasy uh it's, set in modern times i think yeah uh, I, I mean i guess it falls more into from what i understand of how they set up novel genres Mm -hmm. it's it's clearly a fantasy book Mm -hmm. all into the subgenre of a urban fantasy because it takes place in modern time okay um the story follows uh, a guy named winston Mm -hmm. and uh winston is he was a soldier in the u.s military and he at the beginning of the story when it opens up he is a security officer for a tech R&D company based out of Farmington, Minnesota. Again, went, you know, went with the Minnesota route because why not? Yeah. Uh, I, I like being from Minnesota, so I figured I'd have fun with it. Plus, for me, there's some there's some scenes in there where they, they happen in Minnesota, so I can write about them with a lot of intimacy because I know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. Um, but he's a... He's a laid back guy just a simple young man who uh unfortunately is uh has the burden of ptsd from his experience in the military mm-hmm. and also has the burden of being caught in a essentially a power struggle that uh, results in him being trapped in the world of fairy with no perceivable way home and uh un- unwarranted humans in fairy are will they die fairy so the story is you know he's he's mixed up with some people who are you know good folk and he had they're gonna they're trying to win their side of a power struggle Mm -hmm. with the promise that if he just sticks with them they'll help him get home but as he goes through the whole process he learns truths about the the balance of the scales between the world of fairy and the realm of men and how all that works together and Mm -hmm. um i think it ends up being a pretty a pretty fun story about Winston as a character and his growth as a person and, and just the, uh, the overall struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, man, I, yeah, I was really into what you were saying and I forgot what I was going to ask next. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a, from what I read, which I don't know how much I read, I think it was the first 10,000 words you told me when I, when I read it. Um, but yeah, it was, it's really good. Uh, but you so this is book one of the lore of man. Yes. And I think you previously had a comic lore of man or no. Yeah, good memory. Yeah. Lore of man started, uh, started as a graphic novel concept. Okay. And, and then I realized as I was working through, here's another thing that creators i think shouldn't be afraid to do especially when you're developing something brand new and it's yours uh i realized i had two properties 
that were like in the same world, mm -hmm. but I didn't know they were in the same world. They just, they were in my head, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I was like, okay, let me really think about how this all balances out. Cause I don't, you know, maybe there's a better way to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's when I realized that um, I wanted Lore of Man to just, that's the universe, right? Everything within a Lore okay. of Man book follows the same rules. Mm -hmm. And uh, December Rain, August Writes, and the third, there's a third novel planned. Um, they all focus on Winston. They're uh, limited third person narrative from his perspective primarily. I don't, at this point, I, I'm not changing perspective so anything you see you're only seeing it because he's seeing it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of the narrator slips in a little bit of info that winston doesn't know here and there and it's i, I really like the voice of the narrator because it's uh it's all your buddy telling mm -hmm. you a story i, I think I've, i'm very pleased with how that came out mm -hmm. but the fourth book in the lore of man is uh, right now slotted to be that graphic novel okay and then it, and then uh, I haven't decided what to do past that. But for now, it's going to be a three book novel trilogy, and then book four is the graphic novel. Okay. And and uh, it's, it's going to be uh, Winston is not the focus of the graphic novel, but mm -hmm. he more than likely will appear in the graphic novel. So mm -hmm. I think that's nice. Fun. It's nice to lump things into a universe like that. And I know with my own like the stories in my head i i noticed that a, a few years ago that like it's all kind of one universe even though like it almost feels more like um like final fantasy to a degree where it's like right. each of the games kind of they kind they have all the same elements but they don't actually feel like they take place in the same place like mm -hmm. there's always like everything's the same if nothing else just so you know yeah. how it works even though and that's, they don't there is nothing exactly. wrong with that you know yeah. uh a writer who essentially, without telling anybody he was doing it, mm -hmm. did that for 40 novels oh, wow. is a guy named uh, Robert Ludlum. Okay. Hands down, probably my favorite writer of all time. What did um, he but write? he's the guy who, okay. he is most popularly known for the Born series. Okay. So Born Identity, Born Supremacy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, which by the way, are the books of his I have not read <laughs> because I, I tried to read the fir first Born Identity book uh -huh. and I love the movie so much that I just ruined the novel for myself. So oh, I just didn't, I was like, forget it. But um, essentially all of his stories have, uh, it's a man against, it's a, they're all stories about a singular character, mm -hmm. uh, a man in most cases facing off against a large, uh, dangerous organization, mm -hmm. right? Like for the Bourne series, it was Jason against Treadstone, mm -hmm. right? And um, everything is that, but the little nuances are different in every book. Like what makes the character who they are? What's their specialty? What, mm -hmm. you know, what's the threat? But the formula essentially is the same in every book. Mm -hmm. And some people will poo-poo that, right? Some people will be like, oh, man, that's so unimaginative. Or you should be a better writer and blah, 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 blah. It's like yeah. we can't all be Stephen King. <laughs> so let's just let that go now. Yeah. And the reality is is that um, if you look at humans and, and how we like our, our entertainment mm – -hmm. We find the formula that we like, and that's typically what we stick with. 
Mm-hmm. We, we find a certain type of music that we like, and that's what we listen to. We find a certain type of TV show that we like, and no matter what the TV show is, that we end up watching it. Mm-hmm. There's a reason there's so many cop shows on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Because people like the formula. That's why they could have, what, three or four CSIs running at the same time? Yeah. Because people liked the formula. Here's, yeah. the, here's your, your uh, problem. Here's the conflict behind that problem. Here's 20 minutes of the team trying to piece it all together. And here's your dramatic conclusion at the end, right? And they just, they eat that up. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's, the, that's the key to storytelling. You know, it's like figure out, you know, like if you're playing music, not everybody can play rock music. Not everybody can play, you know, jazz. Certainly less people can play jazz than anything else. <laughs> um, but if you know that that's where you find your strongest footing, mm-hmm. you should probably be playing jazz, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. So at least that's my argument. Yeah. So I, I, sure. and that's part of why going back to brethren is exciting and, and, and working on the lore of man series is really exciting. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm excited to work on, uh, our book when we get digging into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would like to start you know, truthfully. I need, I need because, to start writing that again. Yeah. The, uh, the, what's beautiful about it is, is now being at a point where I, I don't, I think like take for example when you and I first started talking about the project we're going to do together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh I would say that I was very much late adolescent in my storytelling knowledge right okay. mm-hmm. and not just storytelling knowledge as far as like what I can tell you about storytelling but storytelling knowledge is in how I was growing as a storyteller yeah I was probably like a 16 17 year old storyteller okay. whereas now I feel like I'm I'm closer to probably a late twenties, 30 year old storyteller, right? Like it just, stuff just makes sense. Like when I watch movies or read books now, um, I still love the experience, Mm -hmm. but I just, I see things totally different because I know how the meals made, man. I know, (laughs) I know what he did. Yeah, for sure. That's funny. Yeah. And that's a good place. And that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that that's what makes like doing that craft, like any craft, it makes it more exciting when you can see basically like when you can using, I guess a a recipe metaphor, like you can kind of reverse engineer and go home and make the meal yourself. And that's always fun. And like, I I've gotten that way with graphic design to a degree. Um, I mean, my, my job now is I make websites and so I can, I like to just, whenever I'm on a website, I'm just like, how do they do that? And figure it out. And it's nice. Yeah. And Uh, and I know I'm getting that, I'm getting to that point. I think I'm probably still the adolescent when it comes to story writing. Um, cause I've never, I haven't taken it too seriously until fairly recently or in the last few years. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. Uh, and exciting. <laughs> For the anybody. food analogy is a great way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Like I love Italian food. And I remember when I was young, I heard some adult in my life be like, well, you know, there's only so many ways you can prepare noodle sauce and meat, <laughs> right? Yeah. And now as a guy who I love cooking, mm-hmm. I lo- I, I'm obviously a fan of many creative things, but I love cooking. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say to that uh, adult from my child, I would say, you're saying it wrong. It's not that there's only so many ways. It's that there are so many ways <laughs> you can prepare noodle yeah. sauce and meat. Like, 
you can really have fun with it once you understand what you're working with. And, right. and, and my wife is super sweet. Um, she's been putting up with my cooking now for at least a couple years straight. Mm -hmm. And just last night I made something and it was the first time I ever made that specific thing for her. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she just raved about it. Mm -hmm. She's like, Oh, this is the chicken tastes so good. And well, and it was simple, man. It was just, I just used some sesame teriyaki mm -hmm. sauce, uh, of grilled chicken breast that I then I diced up and then kind of pan seared in the teriyaki sauce and then i actually just made some a plain old thing of chicken ramen that she you know and then i but i made it so that it was a little uh dent like a little less water so it ended up yeah. being more saucier than soupy mm. and uh strained out the noodles and anyway so it was the noodles next to the chicken and she mm. just loved it yeah, and it yeah. was you know and it's uh it's simple but i'm sure a lot of people would screw that up it would taste terrible the way you because they just it. they don't the, the way you described it, it did not sound simple to me and I would screw oh. that up. Uh, well, and, the, and like going back to that metaphor, I guess, and the way, I guess, where you are with writing, where I am with writing, uh, where you are with cooking, where I am with cooking, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a very good like parallel because my wife makes fun of me anytime I have to cook, which I enjoy cooking. I'm just not good at it because uh, I'll have yeah. a recipe and I get very... Like I, I'm on like one track. And so whenever a recipe has you doing two things at once, oh, yeah. that's not going to happen. Uh, Cause I get, yeah. I'm just like, okay, I need to cut the, the potatoes while that's searing. So I'm going to wait and cut the potatoes. <laughs> yeah. And so I can't do anything if there's two things going on at once. I can, I mean, I can yeah. maybe, maybe be roasting something, I suppose, while I'm doing something on top of the stove. But sure. even then it's not going to be great. Uh and whenever, so, you, whenever you start talking about sauces and searing things, I'm just like, okay, somebody else can do this. <laughs> <laughs> so here, let no. So this is good. This is good, and I, I want to share this with you. Yeah. And maybe it'll benefit a listener. So you, you stick with the cooking analogy, <laughs> right, right? Right. Um, I think this plays in one for one with doing creative work. Mm -hmm. The uh, whatever the prep stuff is, mm -hmm. always do that before you ever turn on any heat. Yeah. Right. And if you cut anything up, if you got to measure anything out or, you know, whatever, do all of that before anything starts cooking. And in the same way, like for our project, right, I, mm -hmm. I want to get together. I told Tracy, I was like, I'm going to have to get together sometime this year. I'm going to drive down to Iowa and I'm going to spend a whole day with Dexter and we're going to just brainstorm and, and, and that just has, that just has to happen. Yeah. That's the same as cutting up the onions and, you know, dicing the potatoes and the whole thing, like all that, all that stuff, the preparation is so undervalued in creative work because we love the final product so much. Yeah. Like people start drawing and they want to get into the shadows and the details. They forget to do their structure work. And now you got this wonky looking Superman. Yeah. And it's just a, it's, it's because they jumped ahead mm -hmm. or, um, people will, some people who cook, they, they lose focus while they're cooking because yeah. they'll try to cook something. They start playing on their phone or, or getting into a conversation. Next thing you know, they're burning whatever's on the stove. <laughs> That's That has to do with structure as well. Like yeah. once you have everything prepped, you know, like for me, if I uh, – when I'm work, working on book two of The Lore of Man, I really struggled with the outline. Like I know exactly where I want the book to end, mm -hmm. the point of the book. But there was just some some real huge uh, holes that I I struggled with, and so 
I knew that I hadn't, I needed to prep more. Mm -hmm. So I actually took a step back from writing anything and just worked on the outline until, uh, and I got it like really, really structured down. I was like, what is this character going to do in the book? What is this, you know, and just really, um, focused on each element individually before trying to get back to the idea of this entire dish yeah, right yeah i knew i needed a certain amount of potatoes in the book and i needed a certain <laughs> amount of you know chicken or steak or whatever and yeah. you just you have to balance that out and then now when i'm going to take time to actually cook which is take time to actually write or draw something um it, like you have an office that's an awesome thing because having the ability to to separate and to mm -hmm. not get distracted by conversation or our phone or TV or whatever is going to make it so that we don't burn what we're working on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have the, we're going to have the best outcome at the end because we did our preparational work first. And the other, the only other thing I'd add into that is, um, some things take longer than others. Yeah. Right. So like the other day we were grilling and, uh, and actually my wife did a lot of the preparatory work and she, she had to, we were having for dinner. Um, but what she didn't know that I knew is that we should have started the potatoes sooner mm -hmm. because the potatoes were going to take longer to finish on the grill yeah. than the steak would, right? The steak was only going to take like five, 10 minutes where the potatoes were like 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and knowing how to recognize those elements in the creative process hmm. is, or even areas where we can do preparatory work ahead to help balance out those time frames. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we cut our potatoes smaller so that they cook quicker, yeah. that type of deal. Um, then we just, we empower ourselves to have a more successful experience and we don't get burnt out on the process. We don't, you know, and then it makes all the other factors easier to deal with distractions, yeah. you know, people who are jerks on the internet, <laughs> you know, yeah. just the demands of life. Those all mm -hmm. become easier because, we took the time to position ourselves for success. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, using the cooking metaphor, uh, because I, I know for me, something historically that's been discouraging is not having the tools. And yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say not having an office has been a discouraging thing for me, but having an office is definitely very nice. Uh, cause it's a place I can come, I can shut the door and I can say, Hey guys, don't bug me. And I have time to myself in here. This is my, this is my area kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it reminds me of a long time ago. What was I watching? It was food network. Um, and I think it was, um, Alton Brown, whatever his, show I knew was. you were going to say that. And Alton he, Brown is the man. Yeah. He's the, he's uh he's the Bill Nye of culinary arts. Uh, because he really like just getting into the science of it and understanding it is nice but and so he he was explaining how to to cook a steak i believe mm. and so you go to like a fancy restaurant and they have like these special machines essentially like it's like a weird conveyor belt you put the steak into the top it has like the flames like on both sides and it just kind of go has the steak go through and get yeah. cooked perfectly every time and so mm -hmm. like you know i don't have the equivalent of that machine for right. my craft, the craft that I want to do. But for some reason in my head, that was like, for a long time, it's just like, I need that thing. I, I need that, that tool. But that's not oh, to say yeah. you can't grill the perfect steak on a tiny grill on the balcony of an apartment, you know? Right. Uh, and so I think it's, it's cooking, I think is a, is an excellent metaphor. I mean, going from just knowing like the differences between cutting a potato small or big, time wise that way but just getting your head 
removing it from being so stuck on needing maybe a particular some particular equipment or thing like if you just have a pencil and paper you can write a story sort of thing i mean if you have yeah yeah pencil and paper you can make a comic book um i mean you might eventually need to find a pen but uh but to a degree like if you have a story to tell just get it finished sort of i guess is what i'm getting at because i think just this metaphor is very magical to me right now uh and i appreciate it (laughs) but yeah well it's true and there's there's cooks out there that can't cook in a bad kitchen yeah right when i when i started learning to play guitar um somebody somebody who was better than me told Hmm. me um you need to need to learn to play on a bad guitar that way that way you can sound good on anything and i was like that's an interesting concept to me because um there's a lot of there's some clips out there you can find online where you know guys who are epic musicians they'll just they're just at like a gathering or whatever and or maybe we've experienced it in person where you're at like a bonfire or something and mm-hmm. somebody's just like hey yeah is that, you can i borrow your guitar for it's not their tool mm-hmm. right point they're borrowing someone else's guitar then they sit down and they play something beautiful or they come into your home and it isn't their kitchen these aren't their tools but they understand the craft well enough to make something you're going to enjoy mm-hmm I think I think that's more important. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't ever I, I, all the stuff like the computer that I'm using right now to talk to you it's over 10 years old. Mm-hmm. The uh the drawing tablet that I use for digital artwork that's almost 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, I I don't I don't have brand new anything. Mm-hmm. And uh except for I, the scanner I have, I bought that brand new because <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you got to do that. So, but even now that thing, that thing's now almost three years old. Mm -hmm. I haven't replaced it. I haven't updated it. Like, cause it still does what I need it to do. Mm -hmm. And you're focusing on the wrong end, right? Like having a nice spoon is not going to make the soup taste good. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not it. But knowing what, how much heat you need and what ingredients you need to add to the stock, that's going to make the soup taste good. Yeah, for sure. So. And then you're right, though. I mean, that goes back to the whole thing. You just and then you just got to finish it. Yeah. You cook a soup all day, all day doesn't mean jack if we don't get to eat it. <laughs> Might be a really good soup, though. <laughs> it could it could be? It could be. Uh, all right. Um, man, this turned out to be a really good talk just about process. So thank you for that. Uh, is there anything else? Thanks. I guess you want to talk about uh, that's that's just Anthony Harry. You have a podcast. Um, I do. I have the Anthony Harry podcast, which um, I released a new episode uh, about a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then a bunch of crazy stuff happened at my day job, so I haven't uh, I haven't been driving to work, so I haven't haven't recorded a new episode. But I yeah. I actually have a new. Um, so here here let's talk about this. This is the last thing I want to talk about. All right, fair. Um, I I think. I think relationships for creative people mm-hmm. deserve deserve a more purposeful uh, level of acknowledgement. Um, like your exam, your situation, you're a family man. You mm-hmm. got a, you got a wonderful bride and some beautiful kids. I have an amazing wife and dogs. It's not the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, in order for either of us to truly be on the things that we want to do mm-hmm. our partner 
has to truly be a partner. Yeah. Right. They need to understand what's the necessary investment. What's the potential reward? Why does it even matter? And then they, they need to act in a way that uh, provides us with the opportunity to uh, be as successful and as productive as possible. Mm -hmm. And now you and I are fortunate because we have partners that are fully invested, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know that both of our significant others, they, they want nothing, nothing but to see us be uh, fully complete in our efforts. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that there's some people who don't have that. They, uh, and, and part of it, the reason they don't have it is because they don't talk to their partner about what they need. Yeah. And uh, I recently had a conversation Here's this. This will be a little bit of bragging, uh, but bragging about Tracy. Like, so this is okay. the uh, conversation that happened the other day, and and how good our relationship has gotten. Um, she said to me, "I want to talk to you about some things we we should do um, to help you be more successful." And and all of it was very very pragmatic, thoughtful suggestions about how we can get things in place that not only put me in a position to produce more, mm -hmm. but to produce more in a fashion that can also be used to create content for people who are entertained by me or like my work or whatever to be able to consume and enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I, I thought to myself, how, how did I get so lucky? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the reality is, is uh, that's probably not a fair thing to say. I didn't get lucky. She and I made a mutual commitment to each other to basically suffer together mm -hmm. so that we can rejoice together in the results of our hard work. And she's proving her commitment to that, uh, to that relationship by actively thinking of ways to make it successful. Yeah. So it's not one-sided or anything else. So, yeah, I do have a podcast. I'm about to be recording uh, more podcasts. No, and you can hold me to it. I'm about to be recording more podcasts more frequently than I've ever produced ever. All right. Uh, and and that could get rather annoying for some people. Like, what is he? <laughs> how can he have so much to say? But uh, my podcast is very straightforward. It's basically it's like an uh, accountability journal, right? Mm -hmm. My podcast focuses on three different types of shows, essentially. Um, one of them is a Make It Happen episode where I try to talk about process and things that I've learned and just share knowledge. Because I, I, there's the two greatest gifts we can give to another person is our time and our knowledge mm -hmm. because we don't get any of them back, and and we, but you, you have to earn them, right? So, yeah. uh, so that's that one. The other one is I do a creative journal where I just give an update on projects and things I'm working on and uh, just to give people – an insight on things. And then, uh, the other one is just the, the drive home with Anthony that, or, you know, just, it's really a free form where I just, uh, vent in a way. I usually take a, a current event or, or a concept and I just, I just explore that thought. So mm -hmm. it's not necessarily geared towards, uh, the creative process of writing or drawing or producing, but it, it's more focused towards, um, just trying to give value through mm -hmm. sharing a, a concept or a thought. So I enjoy the podcast. Um, at some point, it's at some point I'm going to have those things coming out every day. Oh, it's wow. going to be, that's, that's a personal goal of mine. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but I, and then along with that, the plan I have in place with Tracy is, uh, pretty soon there's going to be, um, 
a rejuvenation of my YouTube presence because uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to start putting um, drawing videos up there. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So going to be doing that and then also going to be putting up uh, video versions of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So not only will you have the audio experience, but I'm going to start recording the video of me having the conversation. And the, the, the fun, tricky part to my podcast, which is different than most podcasts, is I don't edit it. Mm-hmm. It's just raw. It's yeah, me yeah. talking, and, and that's just how it is. So um, that'll be fun to do it on video and, and to make that available for people who might want to watch it and mm-hmm. give us the ability to embellish a little more because that will involve editing. Like we'll be able to – if I'm talking about something in the video, I can show it on the screen and just yeah. you know help add more value. And so mm-hmm. we'll have that. And uh, so that's all that's all coming soon to a computer near you. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, we didn't even touch on it. You have your own publication, uh, uh, publishing house, I guess. I don't know what you call it. You self-publish, yeah. uh, and you do. under Nine Ravens. Yep, Nine Ravens LLC is my is my publishing company. Yeah. Um, we focus primarily on publishing. Uh, we've published novels, obviously, and then comics and graphic novels, and then also children's books. So mm-hmm. it's a that's the primary focus. Uh, we are in conversations to um, become become involved with some tabletop board games, possibly. Oh, very cool. And uh, you know, see, because that's a fun market. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it's set up as Nine Ravens LLC because then, as things grow, mm-hmm. as they do, and and I expect the business to grow the more that we. Uh, we produce and the more that I'm able to team with people who want to produce, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to have it set up so that the name didn't pigeon. Like I want to be nine Ravens books and yeah. then I go try to do something that isn't books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, but nine Ravens LLC at, at some point, you know, we, you always want to take a good story and, and see how good you can make it. And mm-hmm. part of that is doing it in different mediums. So if say we take brethren and mm-hmm. Brethren gets licensed for games or TV shows or movies in the future, mm-hmm. then Nine Ravens will be uh, involved with that. Yeah, very cool. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, anything else you want to talk about? I think that's all I have. And we're up on time, I guess. No, this has been fun. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate you very much uh, being patient with my uh, inability to, uh, make it to our initial scheduled recording time. Oh, that's all right. But I, I think this is fun. I, now I need to get you on my podcast Yeah. and then, and return the favor, but I, you know, I'd be happy to come back anytime, uh, yeah. talk about whatever. I, I just love the, uh, I love the idea of having an open dialogue as creators about the industry mm-hmm. and, and not doing it from a dogmatic standpoint, but doing it from the perspective of um, how can we take what we know and and benefit from it. This mm-hmm. pandemic and the the impact that it's having on the comic book industry is, is going to take a lot to recover from, and it's going to change the game. Mm-hmm. DC Comics just got into web comics, like they were into web oh, wow. comics before, mm-hmm. like they had a whole web comic side and the whole thing. They're bringing that back. Interesting. And Jim Lee is drawing one of the web comics. So when you when you look at a publisher like DC Comics, and you mm. you say, okay, they were in the they were doing digital like made for your phone web comics, mm-hmm. and then they got away from that. 
but now they're going to come back and they're going to put their publisher, who is also one of their most popular artists, yeah. on the book wow. that is written by one of their more popular writers. Hmm. Um, that tells you something about where they believe the industry is going. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, huh. there's at the end of the day, uh, for anyone who's listening to this, for me and you to remember as creators. None of it matters if we don't write the story. Yeah. Right. We have to, however we distribute it is a, is such a non-issue, you know, do it digitally, do it physically, whatever you works well for your business model is fine. But step one is, is we have to create the work and, mm -hmm. and then from there it's just all fun. Yeah. So I think that would be my, my closing thought is, is I think if anybody walks away from this conversation with anything, I hope they walk away from it with an encouragement to finish the work yeah. and to share it with us, you know, look us up online. Yeah. Uh, we're on Twitter, you know, and uh, just share your work. Like, let's see what people are doing because. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, just the other last week, I think uh, somebody I follow had a, was doing um like a, a webinar, like a, a writer, writer's conference webinar thing. It was like all weekend. They had a bunch of people talking and stuff. And I just retweeted it. And uh, I mean, same thing applies here that like, if that's something that you did and it inspired you, like, I want you to do that because I want to interview you about your story that you write because of it. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, same thing from this conversation. If this conversation has helped anybody uh, and they get a story written because of it, I want to interview you sort of thing. So, um, from there then uh as we close out where where can we officially see uh you on the internet uh your social media handles and urls and all that uh the easiest place to go is just anthonyharry.com okay which uh speaking to a guy who does websites don't pick on me because it does need to be updated. Uh, there isn't um, a single person in comic books that I can't pick. I could easily pick on everybody's yeah. website. Nobody does it well. No, <laughs> no, I, mine is just a, it's a means to an end, man. It's, yeah. there's so many, there's so many things I'd like to do with my website. Uh, yeah. especially, you know, I went to school originally for graphic design and, and web development. And, uh, I, I like, you know, I like websites. I just was never able to turn it into a career. The, mm -hmm. um, the, but I do my website and I just use WordPress and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just, it's there to get people the information that they need. But on anthonyharry.com is a link to, uh, like Patreon, for example, mm -hmm. uh, if you wanted to sign up for that. And then I, I think the link, there's a link on there for my art page on Facebook. And then I think the Instagram one needs to be updated, but there is a link. Uh, it's just Anthony Harry. I'm just, that's me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can find me wherever. Cool. I'll have all the links in the show notes too. So that'll work as well. Cool. Uh, all right, man. Thanks for, thanks for talking. Thank you.
that's it. That's uh, episode one of Indie Comic Ninja's Return to Podcasting, our interview with Anthony Harry. Hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to uh, comment on on, on the, the social medias about this episode and head over to anthonyharry.com. Find out more about what he's doing, what he's got going on. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening, maybe got some... Uh, inspiration to go write your own story maybe even just some inspiration to go cook a meal um but yeah uh thanks so much for listening and uh just a reminder uh yeah just a reminder that the music is made by musicformakers.com you can head over to there get some royalty free music for your podcast youtube videos whatever you might need music for uh just uh it's a good place to get that sort of thing so thanks music for makers and thanks for listening